Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. I get to talk to Liani Kelsell this morning. She's an Australian rural fiction writer. She's the best-selling author of The Farm at Pepper Tree Crossing, The Wattle Seed Inn and The River Gum Cottage. I've always thought that The Wattle Seed Inn would be my favourite because it was the first one of hers that I read until I read The River Gum. I just loved it. Such a good novel. I know she's a best-selling author and professional counsellor. I know she's written other books under different pen names. I know that she's got a menagerie of rescued pets that she's taken in from everywhere. I really don't know how she does it all, and I thought that I would be talking to her to learn more about how she has and what her secret is. But really, I loved the River Gum Cottage so much that I'll probably end up just talking to her about that. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. My like, pleasure. Oh, my goodness, Leonie. I don't know how you do everything. I don't do anything. <laughs> you do so. You're doing a book a year. You're a professional counsellor. You rescue everybody. Yeah, you're probably going to get a lot of background noise of lambs and dogs. It's pouring here today. Oh, so I hope so. But... Inside and the fire's on behind me, so the lamb will be somewhere around here. Oh, that's so nice. I'm super excited to talk with you today. Thank you very much, Leonie. <laughs> yes. Can you just say your name? It's Leonie. 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 Yeah, Leonie. It's so pretty. I love the name Leonie and I love the with the hyphen over it, but yeah, I've been saying it incorrectly all this time. <laughs> that's all right. That's why my pen name is Laney because it's so much easier easier to say. You know, it's kind of take off of the same name, but I just go with Laney K for my pen name. Laney's a very pretty name as well. So tell us about the River Gum Cottage. It just came out in July, and it is a wonderful Australian rural romance novel, which I was honoured to have read and loved. I super loved Lucy. I thought she was just the perfect heroine. How did you come up with her? All my characters kind of happen. I don't, I'm not a plotter at all. I am like the world's worst pantser. I am shockingly bad. I have all these great intentions of being a plotter. And I saw that everybody now is using all those pretty colored cue cards and, you know, writing out cue cards and one color for one character and another color for another character and plotting out their entire chapters and the whole story. And to be honest, I did go and get the cue cards because I was going to be organized. They I'm are somewhere. <laughs> oh, I've got the cue cards. They're somewhere on my desk, but they are buried under mounds of paperwork and snippets <laughs> of paper. And, and my board, which is I'm facing at the moment, is just covered with all these little slivers of paper with hieroglyphics written on them because that's as far as I go with planning. It doesn't happen. So my characters tend to be the same. When I start writing a book, it will be very one-dimensional and I'll go, well, I need a girl and maybe a guy and, you know, a couple of other people and we'll just start writing from there. And I will get about a third of the way into the book, which is about 30,000 word mark for mine. And at that point, I will start to discover who the person 
actually is and they'll come alive in my mind and then I will get their backstory and go, oh, well, you know, this has happened in their past. Might not make it into the book, but it rounds their character and it affects everything they do. All their actions and reactions are predicated on their history. So about that third of the way in, I'll work out or realise what their history was, go back, write first third of the book again so that it fits what I've learned about the character. And then the next two thirds flows more smoothly because I've got them firmly in my head. So Lucy in this book, she is quite an alternative, free-spirited kind of person. And she's into natural therapies and crystal healing and yoga and kefir and kombucha, all that kind of stuff. But she didn't start out like that. I'd written the first chapter and then I went back and I thought, oh, no, in the first chapter, I'm going to have her wearing a crystal because, you know, crystals have different values for yeah. crystal healing. And I said, oh, she can go throughout the book just changing her crystal to match what she needs from the world that day. So I just rewritten this first chapter, took the dog for a walk, and I found a crystal pendant lying on the footpath. And I always say, I always get some sort of sign with a book. I know it all sounds a bit woo-woo, but there's always something. It's hanging on my board right in front of me. And it's just a cheapy thing. I think it's from a bubblegum machine. Yeah, it's a piece of black cord and it has a plastic pink crystal pendant on it. Mine's a priceless though. Yeah. I thought, yeah. right, that is Lucy. She is into crystals. And if she's into crystals, she's going to be into these other things. So then her character just kind of built from there into this person who is um so attuned to the natural world and resents that she's been forced into a professional role. She's got a, a degree in management, mm. which her father... Yeah, commerce degree, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so that was just how her character formed. And then when I've got one character forming, the same will happen with the other main character and then it's just a matter of seeing how they come together. I love Jack. I mean, <laughs> he really was like an eco-warrior Thor-type character. He was just delightful. He's <laughs> <It's, laughs> so a bit of a sweetie, isn't he? I, I admit I did model him on an old boyfriend from long long oh. ago <laughs> the build and also had the speech impediment but was this lovely person who when he was comfortable with you spoke very clearly and articulately but put him in a social situation or give him some angst or nerves and he couldn't get three words out oh bless wow well I loved him loved love loved and that's actually one of my points that I've written down your characters they're so three-dimensional they have backstories forward stories they have side stories you really know these people I don't know that it's something that happens in rural romance that often but ah. Oh, yeah. I think you're a professional counsellor. Is yes. that love people that much? Is it? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to claim to love people. <laughs> I love people's minds. I love people's personalities. And with my characters, like, to be honest, I had never read rural romance before I started writing. I didn't know that rural romance was a genre. So I hadn't read any and I didn't know what the genre expectations were. So I just write whatever I want to write. Fortunately, Alan and Unwin are pretty good about allowing mm-hmm. me to do that so far. Touch I think they know when to follow the money, they are on it. <laughs> so I don't know whether I'm writing it correctly for the genre, but I get very invested in the character themselves. You know, they're not just a name on a page. So yeah. that's why I have to discover who 
who they are and this whole backstory and their little personality quirks and why they behave the way they do. I write very few characters, if any, who are black or white because in the real world, there's very few people who are truly good or truly evil. What we do is focus on what is best for us. You know, every decision we make is basically predicated on what is going to work out well for us. And that's just human nature. So mm-hmm. you get very few people who are able to move beyond that and be good for the for the sake of the world. Yeah. Very few who are really evil. We're all like basically shades of beige or grey. So I like to keep that in mind with my characters. So when there's a character that you think is bad, for example, Christine in the farm at Petrie Crossing, she yeah. was yeah. the um the matriarch of the CWA and she's a real busybody and she's nasty to everybody. Yeah. In next year's book, um, The Willow Tree Wharf, you're going to discover why she's like that. That's because unreal. People, Yay. Excellent. Because, because people aren't just nasty for the sake of it. There will be a reason in the person's history why yes, they have been absolutely. this way, why they act this way. So I like to make sure that all of my characters have all these layers. So it's a little like peeling an onion. You know, you're going to get the first view of the character. You go, oh, yeah, big, tall, good-looking farmer guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know what he is. He's the hero of the story. Yes. But then you're going to discover something else about it. And then yeah. you're going to dis- so you've got to get all the way through to the heart of the onion to find out who the character is you just do it so well like there really is the heart of the onion there you really do get to know these people so well even monica lucy's mum she could have just been a nothing person but instead i know her so well i wanted it so readers wouldn't like her to start with because she was thoroughly unlikable but she has redemptive arc because you realize what she's gone through doesn't make her into a wonderfully nice person or anything but you have empathy because you realize why she is this way yeah i love them i love your characters i think that i'll be reading you for the rest of my life because oh, of the, the characters. Like, at the shop i always i love getting to know people i love seeing the way that people work i love seeing be able to do that in a book as well is like next level it's so good <laughs> i admit i love to work in coffee shops because i will sit and watch people and i'm not so much listening to their conversation well sometimes but it's <laughs> same i like I like to watch the way they're interacting though because you know you'll have this one person who jumps in and interrupts the others all the time and you think is she not heard at home is this why she needs to force herself into the conversation you'll have somebody else who's sitting back and listening I just love to absorb what people are doing and think yeah. be a character, you know, that could fit this person. I like to think that I just, I like people. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. It probably is just a nosiness. <laughs> now, the town of Settlers Bridge was also just wonderful. And I know that the community is something that rural romance does very well. But this was just wonderful. I think I put in my review that I felt like I even you know, knew who was going to be at the local IGA working and knew what was going to be yeah. happening. It was oh, that's great. great. Love that. Yeah, see, I grew up in small towns. So oh, I wondered, me, yes. Yeah, yep. that was my history. That's what I recall. And one of the small towns that I grew up in, um, Murray Bridge, is huge now. It's a rural city. And I think well, when I was there, we didn't have supermarkets. We had Udunda Farmers, which was like our IGA store. And, you know, it's this tatty old store. We used to go in there from six, seven years old. My brother and I could just walk in there ourselves and buy a chocolate bar and you yeah. walk down the street. Everything was safe. Knew the butcher by name. He always called me Smiley. You know, it was just such a safe, beautiful, nurturing environment because it was a small town back then. So I think I really like to evoke that. Some of those towns still do exist. 
I love to road trip with my youngest daughter and we go through those small towns all the time and stop and, you know, go to the op shop in the small town and go to the bakery in the small town. And I just like the rest of Australia to be able to experience this beautiful, beautiful feeling of a small town, which isn't always nurturing. You oh, get a lot yeah. Yeah. You get nastiness and noisiness. Absolutely. And yep. Peer pressure and yeah, yeah, a lot of judgment for your decisions, sexual preferences, that kind of stuff. Yes, Small towns be a lot more parochial, so I like to bring that in as well. Yeah, I love being in a small town. I think it might be my chance to do a tree change and see how the other people live. But that experience that your books provide of living in that small town community and just seeing everybody, getting in touch with everybody. Oh, no, I just I love them. Love it. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> but you did mention your youngest daughter, that's Taylor, who is yes. famous in your socials <laughs> as the kid. That's she- right. Well, she's actually my first reader. She's the person I bounce ideas off all the time. She's the person who has to listen to me swearing like a trooper when things aren't <laughs> going well. She's basically, well, she's a prisoner in my car until she got her licence. So she had <laughs> listened to me complaining about the industry, complaining about how hard it was to get in, complaining about deal, yeah. Yeah, everything all the way through. So she's supported me all the way through this as I've supported her through her studies and stuff. So the books so far have all been been dedicated to her that would be why I couldn't remember which one was dedicated to her and I think she even you work out the ideas you work out the plots with her I think I've heard you talk about other podcasts yeah. like she's, she's really involved as much as I can claim to plot I work them out with her what happens is because because we live in rural South Australia it's quite a distance to go anywhere so we road trip a lot even to pick up the lamb to rescue it is like a five-hour road trip. So whilst we're road tripping, we talk and we will talk about book ideas. So quite a few of the ideas, well, actually every book I've written, I have bounced off Taylor and we will brainstorm ideas together. And it's her job to write the notes down. Before she could drive, she had to write the notes down. But unfortunately, well, unfortunately, she's studying to be a lawyer and she writes like a lawyer and neither of us really <laughs> not one word we could read so it's kind of like it's just a process of writing it to get in our heads but then we'll go off and she'll come back to me every few weeks and go have you written that book about this I'm like no no that's like you know three years down the track I've got other books I'm writing she goes but I want that story we discussed that story and just you know rides me about writing it but that's it her input is just that initial oh there could be a book about for example the Wattle Seed Inn, we were doing a library tour to promote the farm at Pepper Tree Crossing and we went through a tiny little country town which is literally six houses on the right-hand side of the road and at the end of the houses is a beautiful old two-storey pub, a great big stone monolith sitting there but it was all like boarded up and dusty and cobwebbed and we glanced at it, drove through, hadn't gone about 50 metres into the scrub before we looked at each other and I'm going, that would make a great, and she goes, story for a book and we turned around, took photos of pub and spent the rest of the trip just saying what could have happened in this beautiful old pub, which has obviously been very much the centre of somebody's life. It would have been their pride and joy, would have been huge to the community. What's happened that it's now derelict and deserted and unloved? So the idea for the book just starts from there. But then Taylor leaves me alone and she doesn't see anything anymore. She doesn't get three chapters or anything until I am completely done with the book. And then I give it to her. 
And then I'll be hanging over and going, what are you up to? What are you up to? Where is it? Do you like it? Do you like it? And she, she won't tell me anything. She just goes, shut up. And occasionally <laughs> she walks through and she'll have tears streaming down her face and she'll go, I hate you and walk out <laughs> she's up to reading or what she thinks of it until she gets to the end and then it's like yeah that's okay you send it into an Alan and I'm one now and that's all the feedback I get oh I tell you there's so many you laugh you cry you it's the whole package with your books I'm not surprised that you can place her with with the tears and when she's laughing <laughs> the river calm cottage is very much about home being a feeling Monica says you are your father's only legacy that just gives me the goosebumps it's so nice I think it's a real shame that we can't see more of that in society with legacy and with people but home is where the heart is absolutely was that a deliberate thing well no because you you've already talked about enhancing but it's just so lovely It's not deliberate to start with, but again, it's that organic progression where initially I had this girl coming back. She's gone to Melbourne. She's had a bust up with her family and she comes back because her dad dies. And so I've had her focused on coming home and whether she wants to be home or not. And when I discovered her character, I realized that the physical place of home isn't what was important to her and shouldn't be to anybody. It's the feeling of being home. It's the feeling of being nurtured and comforted and love is what she actually needed to come back and find again so yeah again it's just that organic process and and then I realize that I put it in words when I find it oh it's such a lovely book I particularly like Keely was just so gorgeous and dashed the (laughs) there's so much to love in this novel it was just such a delight from start to finish thank Thank you you so much so you rescued the lamb which you talked about earlier and I think you do that fairly regularly well as regularly as you have to I guess yeah I'd actually try and avoid seeing messages asking rescue lambs because it's really expensive to yeah, raise a lamb yeah. and they have a very high mortality rate as well. Plus it's a lot of sleepless nights because mm-hmm. I basically keep them in my house for 12 weeks and then I move them out to the farm, which isn't a euphemism. They actually do go to live out their life. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I'm a sucker for anybody's animals. My neighbour contacted me a few weeks ago and said, oh, would you take a rescue duck? My dad's got a duck and its partner's died. Would you take it? I'm like, yeah. Is that Douglas? Because I love his dating. Douglas, (laughs) Douglas, Douglas was supposed to be going to the farm, but there's a lot of foxes at the moment. So Douglas is living in my back garden. But then I went, well, Douglas is going to be lonely by himself. So I put out a call for anybody who needs female ducks rescuing. So Douglas has two girlfriends now who he's very busy with. <laughs> Both of my properties, I live between two properties. I live in the Adelaide Hills and run my professional counselling business from there. But I also live at the family farm, which is about 40 kilometres away in the Murraylands. And it's sort of where Settlers Bridge, the setting comes from. Oh, so I live between the two and I have to travel between the two all the time because I managed to have rescue animals at both at places both. yeah yeah but your social media is just so much fun oh, See, I'm always in trouble about my socials with Taylor because you know she's like you can't put that up and she's what you see is what you get that's yeah. like, that's how I am <laughs> it's their own Laney K I'm Pen Man that's where all the saucy stuff is got um, what 15 books under Laney K as well and I think they're published hugely in America. Is that right? Yes. Like yeah. yeah. That's so much fun and really easy to find. And and I'll put all of the links in there as well. They were <laughs> did mentioned earlier that you've got a sequel. Each of my rural romances is set in the same area. 
And even though it has new characters, you get to see the old characters just sort of popping in so you can I see what's happened a few years down the track. For example, the farm at Pepper Tree Crossing, the main character, Ronnie, in the Wattle Seed Inn, she just pops in and you see what's happened to her. I think it's like four years since her yeah. story. Yeah. You can see that all's going well with her. Alan and Unwin have given me contracts for another three books. Oh, uh, excellent. Fantastic. Congratulations. At least, thank you. There'll be at least six in this Settlers Bridge and probably more if they give me more contracts because I have a bunch more ideas that I want to pursue there. So next year's book is in final edits and that at the moment is called The Willow Tree War. And that's actually the story of Sam who runs Plows and Pies, the cafe in Settlers oh, Bridge. This is her story, which is quite a dark story. Oh, I'm eating for that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, oh, that's great. There were quite a few hints about where yes. her story is going yeah. to go in the River Gum Cottage. So this is her story. Yes. And then after that is Stringy Bark Camp, which is a little bit of a different direction. It's a goes into a bachelor's and spinsters, which is held somewhere else. You know, they, Ooh, they, good. They yes. get together yes. all we have. Um, so you'll meet some new characters through that as well as the old ones. Yay. And then after that, I'm just doing the final writing on something else that I'm going to pitch to Alan and Unwin and hope they love because it's quite different because it's a historical contemporary mashup. Oh, and it's great. actually the story of Taylor, the doctor throughout all these stories. She makes a lot of references to her past. Yes, she's been she does. Yes. For about 10 years. I love her story. So I'm just oh, rewriting the last three chapters of that day and crossing oh. my fingers that Alan and Nama will take it. Oh, a great. Excellent. Well, okay. Well, I'll let you go then. That's so great. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I'm so excited for the future of my reading. Oh, oh. Thank you. Thank you so much, Leonie. I cannot appreciate it enough. It was just fantastic. I knew that you would be lovely to sit down and chat with, and you are. You are so nice. Thank you. Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there, and that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free and I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can enjoy reading more together. Thank you.